Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. this weekend there it is yeah there we go there we go i cannot hear what's happening everybody you guys hear me okay we can hear you good rico am i on this motherfucking intro are y'all ready for this let's do it ready let's fucking go what's happening everybody welcome back you are now tuned into another episode of hyatt nine news thank you for joining not only to get high at nine with us, but also high noon on the East Coast. I'm Rico Lumi, the dopest dad on the street, and it is Tuesday, February 14th. You know what that is? It's National Ferris Wheel Day <laughs> for everybody out there that is a fan of amusement parks. And it is National Organ Day for all those who fall out of those uh, Ferris wheels and spill your organs all over the place. And, uh, <laughs> and if you do that, then you have no heart. And you can't celebrate Valentine's Day. <laughs> but I digress. Everybody out there watching, please like, share, and hit that subscribe button. Follow us at Hyatt 9 News across all social pe- media pa- platforms. We are live weekday mornings on YouTube and Twitch, audio only on Clubhouse. If you do choose the Clubhouse route, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand with a brief comment on the story presented. Getting things started today, you know who it is. It is the Green Street Bully himself. The man, the myth, the legend, the cannabis industry's longest continuously operating retailer. Jason Beck, what do you have for us on this beautiful Tuesday morning, man? Oh, yeah. Good morning, Rico. Everyone is having an amazing day. Happy Valentine's Day. And I have a little bit of love to share with you guys. Adam, can you show him the picture, please? Can you put it posted up? Adam, can you please show them the picture? All right. So today is official adoption day. Today, in 1979, I was officially adopted. And that is me chilling on the couch on the day that I came home from the hospital. Ah, that's just to melt all the little hearts on Valentine's Day. That's right. Oh, Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. That's a good. That was the last time you were adorable. (laughs) All right. Yeah, That's right. A, I love it. Uh, I think yeah, I saw that hat. I think I saw the hat at your house. I think you still have that hat, bro. <laughs> I don't know. My mom probably has that hat over at her house somewhere. I would put money on, but you know, she saw Happy that adoption day, Jason. Thank you. Thank you very much. Much appreciated, Nicole. Were you wearing red too? 
Then that yeah, you know, suits. Them. Yeah, you know how we get down, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, oh, man. I'll tell you what, though, man. My story today comes out of San Diego. As San Diego's cannabis tax revenue plummets and officials blame the illegal market and new competition. Oh, my goodness. Uh, revenue from San Diego's cannabis tax has been dropping sharply in recent months as the city's two dozen dispensaries face growing competition from delivery services and new dispensaries in other nearby cities. San Diego officials say that they now expect cannabis tax revenue to be 23% lower than they had previously expected during the opening fiscal year that ends in June 30th. That $19.8 million versus $25.7 million. Industry leaders say the primary cause of their, in quotes, double digit drops in sales is illegal delivery services, which they estimate make up about half of the region's cannabis market. The legal industry is facing huge competition from the non-legal industry, said Phil Rath, executive director of a group of dispensaries called the United Medical Marijuana Coalition. Delivery services are an, an ongoing enforcement challenge for the city, they say. City officials say another factor is that several other local cities, including Chula Vista and La Mesa, have been starting to allow legal dispensaries after years of banning them. So that's where they're talking about the other competition. And in, uh, up until recently, we had a monopoly, said Ricardo Ramos, the city's deputy director of business operations. Now we're competing with all these other jurisdictions. Officials have also lowered their long-term projections for cannabis tax revenue, which has been expected to pay for enforcement of dispensaries and a new cannabis equity program that aims to give a leg up in the industry to people of color adversely affected by the war on drugs. Just over a year ago, long-term estimates for the cannabis tax revenue were projected at $31.5 million in fiscal year 2025, with $33.3 million in fiscal year 2026, and $33.8 million in fiscal 2027. Sounds like those economists were off. In November, those were revised down to $26 million in fiscal year 2025, $28.4 million in fiscal year 2026, and $28.9 million in fiscal year 2027. But city finance officials say they aren't confident even in those revised estimates. And they say, in quotes, it is likely that the overall level of revenue from the cannabis business tax is too high. Finance officials said in the city's five-year financial outlook published in November, citing retail, uh, rising retail competition from other cities. Well, that's the first time I've heard a city actually acknowledge that their taxes are too high. So great for them. But nonetheless, other factors could be inflation or too many cannabis businesses for too few customers. There's just a saturation of cannabis products, which has brought down the cost, Ramos said. As a result, the tax and gross receipts that are being reported to the city has decreased. Wrath uh, said lower-priced cannabis products have been selling much better than higher-priced products in recent months, a trend he blames on inflation, leaving some customers with less money to spend on cannabis. Well, this is Joe Biden's America. It is like people buying generic ketchup, said Wrath, said adding that he's unsure if things will bounce back when inflation eases. Consumers sometimes get accustomed to their purchase patterns, and Ross said inflation has also likely spurred more customers to shift to illegal delivery services, 
which he said sell their products at roughly 30% less than legal cannabis businesses because they have lower overhead. How about they have no taxes? I'm hearing from retailers that sales are, are down in the double digits. He said it's going to be the illegal market. People don't just stop consuming. Customers who buy from legal cannabis businesses can have their confidence the products are safe and don't contain mold because state law requires testing. But Rath said uh, inflation may be prompting people to take more risks. The illegal market within the city of San Diego shifted almost entirely to delivery services more than five years ago when an aggressive city enforcement effort to shut down dozens of illegal cannabis dispensaries. San Diego only allows uh, deliveries from cannabis businesses that also have a storefront, but Rath said Ramos noted that the state law allows jurisdictions to approve delivery-only businesses and that those businesses can sell products anywhere in the state. Uh, Roth also said some delivery services from Orange County uh, serve San Diego, which he called unfair competition for local dispensaries. <laughs> and San Diego last year reduced the tax rate from 8% to 2% for indoor pot farms and, and factories that make cannabis edibles. But city officials said that is not a big factor in the drop in tax revenue because 97% of that revenue comes from dispensaries. Well, I'll tell you what, San Diego, if you guys really wanted to have any kind of competitive advantage, then you would would uh, eliminate your distribution tax of all cannabis goods that come into your city. How about that? Because you are the only jurisdiction that tax outside goods coming in to actually get sold in your dispensaries, which create every single thing to be more expensive in San Diego than everywhere else. And I'm going to digress. But this is Jason Beck reporting for the high at nine news hour. What do you all have to say? Good old Wales vagina. San Diego, bro. It's an amazing place. Uh, I'm sorry, what does the whale's vagina have to do with San Diego? I'm confused. San Diego, it means a whale's vagina. Does it really? No. (laughs) 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 Have you never seen Anchorman, Nicole? Have you never seen Anchorman? Come on, Nicole. Oh, no. <laughs> no. All right. We're going to have a movie night, and Nicole, we're going to watch Anchor. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. And Bong Burgundy will come and enjoy and, and watch the festivities. Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do y'all think about all this uh, San Diego tax revenue loss and dipping? And, you know, I, I mean, this, the, the, we, we've been talking about it for a year now. The industry cannot survive with the way that the taxes are going. And, I mean, I guess San Diego is just kind of realizing that and trying to pull back, but the the entire state is going to have to do it. Um, San, it San Diego was a, was a slow mover too. They were um, the last major city in California. Well, do you, you know, think that's really impacted them, Rico, coming online so late in the game? I think I think it's a, I think it's a class. It's a culture clash. It's uh, San Diego is a military town. And it's mm-hmm. also, I'd say, it's, I'd say it's also, also the, world's, the world's. Hold on a second. I think everyone is is missing one of the other elephants in the room. Is that San Diego is so close to Mexico? Uh, for a lot of these residents, yeah. they go to yeah. Mexico quite often, and anything that you buy in Mexico is going to be way cheaper than in right. San Diego. And they're literally on the border. And right. and Mexico is booming right now in weed sales. Shout out to TJ. Oh, that makes sense too. Oh yeah, look at that! It's called demographics, Nicole. So, so what, what would your uh, solution be, uh, Jason? Should San Diego build a wall? 
Uh, actually, um, I was watching the news this morning, and the wall in California is 100% built. You, you believe everything on the news? I mean, for the news I watch, I do. <laughs> I only watch. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't watch the fake the news. Cannabis news in the nation. That's the only. I don't, yeah, I don't. Matters. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to tell you. This, this is the only news um, station I watch. See, yes. see what I'm go. saying, Nicole? Exactly. Just drinking, just drinking your own Kool Aid, Nicole. Just drinking. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's because we're the ones that put the right amount of sugar in. Cheers, <laughs> everyone. I'm trying to understand why. I understand that you know the illicit market is taking sales away. I get it, but why is it delivery services that is really killing it? I'm because delivery services have the ability to to sell in San Diego without any type of San Diego business license, and they don't have to pay taxes to the city of San Diego. They exactly. pay the taxes to where um, the sale originated, which would be in Orange County or another uh, surrounding municipality. Mm. Right. Or they're just a trap. Or, or they're just a trap delivery service, and they pay absolutely zero tax, except yep. for when they buy gas. There are plenty of those. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. so you don't have to have a license in San Diego to have a delivery service. Well, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. So what I'm saying is that it, they have they have trap delivery services, which have no license. Plus, okay. they have delivery services that are licensed from other municipalities. But that sales revenue goes into the coffers of other municipalities as opposed right. to going into S San Diego's. Okay, like they deliver right. outside of San Diego. You know, mm -hmm. somebody comes down from from Santa Ana to oh, hold on. Nick, Nick, Nick is saying, Nick is saying that, that in the regulated market, that if they deliver into San Diego, then they have to uh, pay the San Diego tax. Okay. So that's not going to come, but it's, so it's all unlicensed deliveries that they're referring to that are siphoning all the revenue off. Interesting. I, I, I just think it's a, um, I just think these are just excuses made for them. And they're paying for entering the market late. Um, the, the trap was already set up. You had outsiders that were using delivery. They were already set up there. And they're mm -hmm. just late. They're late to the game. And you, you show up late, then you're going to have to deal with shit that everybody else has already been dealing with. But you're late. You know, so you're not, uh, you're not equipped uh, with any of the, the, uh, the political maneuvers, the um, economic maneuvers uh, to battle any of these things. Um, that the other uh, the other municipalities in in California are already dealing with. Mm -hmm. So Nick says sales tax, uh, not cannabis business tax. So that makes sense. So they're yeah. they're paying a tax in the city. So yeah, great great job. Yeah, but but, 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 but San Diego San, San Diego when it comes to sales tax, the the cities only get a very small portion of the sales tax. The majority of it goes to the actual county, um, and, and to the state. So, but the, what that city actually gets is a very, very minute portion of sales tax, and so they would mainly get the uh, the, the tax that is imposed by the city on retailers and whatnot. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a tax expert. I actually, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an anti-tax activist. So, you know, let's. Uh, yeah, you and Benjamin Franklin out. both. <laughs> Taxes. Yeah. yeah. Benjamin Franklin taxes, said it's taxes, every American's sure. a duty to pay his least tax. Cheers, Rico. Taxes. Yeah. Shout taxes. out to him. Well, then we should hold President Trump um, accountable for not paying his. We well, should. We just, should. Oh, no, no, no. We shouldn't worry about Trump. We should worry about all the other politicians that have had have uh, raped uh, Americans. Okay. And all, and all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm not worried about Trump's taxes. 
at all. I'm worried yeah, about all the other politicians him. that all of a sudden became became millionaires off of off of two hundred thousand dollars salary a year. Get the hell out of here. This well, I just think I just think we'd we'd have no problem paying taxes if it actually went to paying for actual shit instead of like bullshit, you know, like what, mm-hmm. where's our where are our tax dollars being spent? Where are they going? Please, right. enlighten us. I think, think, us think we, need we need to itemize those taxes. If I'm paying $100 in taxes, where is each one of those going? And we should be able to vote on where our tax dollars are going. Period. I don't want give, any give of my, clap, I want any of my fucking tax dollars going to the $100 billion slush fund that's going into Ukraine. Right. Agreed. I think, I think we need set. to get away from municipality taxes overall yeah i think what this needs to be is if we're going to keep when legalization comes about or decrim however the feds actually ever handle this and the states if they still have control then everything needs to be done on a state level and then taxes go to these municipalities who accept dispensaries and local businesses and if they have those then they get a cut of the state tax revenue if not move along and that's the only way you're going to combat it and then you'll bring down the taxes uh for the uh, consumer, mm-hmm. and it'll push us more towards a market like alcohol. I don't know, but something push like us that. More towards marketing alcohol, huh? All right, no. Jason, guys, move along. We got to run this commercial. Run this commercial, Adam. Run it. <laughs> When you want to grow some of the best weed in the world, then you must start with the best genetics in the world. Go to www.dnagenetics.shop to order regular feminized or autoflower beans. All of your favorite DNA genetics cultivars such as Kosher Kush, Skywalker Kush, and oh yeah, Chocolate Truffle Shuffle. Boasting more cannabis awards for their award-winning genetics than any other company in the world. Remember to go to www.dnagenetics.sh. H-O-P to see why our Terps don't lie. Oh, yeah. Coming up next. That's right. It's the dope dad in the streets doing daddy daycare for not just the little ones, but all the grown ass adults that always still wear their Depends diapers overall during the day. That's right. It's the dope dad himself. Rico Meat. Nice, Jason. <laughs> nice chugging to be stabbed in this moment. All right. <laughs> so um, thank you, Jason. Um, my my headline today is a piece of reggae history. Bob Marley's former home now houses a cannabis dispensary by Javier Asse. The late, great Bob Marley was so many things to so many people. Musician, teacher, motivator, the original influencer, counterculturalist, a radical. So many words can be used to accurately describe the man who lived so fearlessly and inspired countless souls. I think it's safe to say that capitalist is not one of those words. But he did die in 1981, and who knows what kind of personal evolution he would have had on capitalism after seeing the effects of Reaganomics and trickled down on poor communities worldwide. But I won't touch on that. Jason. <laughs> Anyways, um, Javier Asse got the exclusive scoop on the Bob Marley Museum in Kingston, Jamaica, which is also his former home and recording studio at 56 Hope Road. Uh, recently opened a new tourist trap to bring more dollars to the legendary family name, the Marley Natural Dispensary and Lounge, per the article. Um, Marley Natural, which holds exclusive global rights to Bob Marley cannabinoid products, um, was born from a partnership between Marley Family and Doc Light Brands. 
The Marley Natural Dispensary and Lounge is the first of several locations planned for the island, including Tough Gong Studio in Kingston. The Herb House has been approved by Jamaica's Cannabis Licensing Authority and medical and therapeutic use for both locals and tourists. Visitors can enjoy locally grown Marley Natural Cannabis and Ace pre-rolls, vape carts, as well as a range of Marley Natural accessories such as grinders, holders, trays, bubblers, and other products. Hooray, capitalism, I guess. Um, I have a personal take on this one because my wife, um, her father was a reggae legend, um, um, Ronnie Davis. He's the lead singer for the Itals. A couple of Grammy nods for him. And this was a major contention for the family when he passed. Um, because for years he had lost the rights um, and he was arguing and um, had fist fights with his old uh, partner, Keith. And uh, Keith rebranded the entire band um, because my wife's father was a Rasta and he didn't believe in contracts. He didn't believe in like all this other stuff. And the family went broke. Um, but when we went out to visit him on Savannah Lamar, he was one of the happiest people that I had ever met in my life um and uh well we were smoking we were smoking on his porch and he's like rico i feel kind of depressed i need some love man let's go out i was like what the fuck are you talking about dude <laughs> and um we just walked around the block and like all the people were just like oh, i tells i tells love respect and that's how he really got all of his energy and continued to live and um I could see this, 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 this clash between capitalism and Rastafarianism. And so like me not being a Rasta, like I don't really understand it so much, but um, um, all of us Bob Marley fans, whether you're, you're passing or if you're a true stand, I'd, I'd love to ask, how do you guys feel about this? The capital, uh, the capitalizing of his, uh, from his family and from his old business partners on not only his name, but his legacy. He was a Rasta. He was a Rastafarian. He didn't really believe in any of this stuff, but, here we are. So, regular meet double down the street. Interesting. What you guys think? So, uh, is, 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 is this is this is this the is this the house that that we're referring to in Jamaica, Rico? Yes. His house. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I I was there a, a few years ago, and I was I was actually smoking some joints with Georgie, you know Georgie bring the fire, you know, and <laughs> we had we had some really really interesting conversations in in regards. But I'll tell you right now. Um, this does not surprise me at all. Rita is all about the money and Rita is, is, is in control. And so this is not a surprise at all. And I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner. Um, so my father being a Rastafarian um, and understanding the, um, the, the culture, it's a lifestyle um, of community, taking care of your family, taking care of the environment. Um, understanding the value of using plant medicine um, and not uh, giving into Babylon rule and law. It's the reason that we have lamb's breath today in Jamaica. If the Rastafarians had followed the law and uh, abided by the laws that were put placed upon them, they would have, the Rastafarian culture would have been eliminated um, 50 years ago. Uh, there would be no Rastas in Jamaica and there would be no lamb's breath in Jamaica. These Rastafarians sacrificed their lives, their land, their families, their livelihood, and took the plant with them up to the mountains when it became illegal to be a Rasta or have cannabis in the country. And so understanding <coughs> that the sacrifices that have, had to been made in order for us to have this culture today, in order for us to have the genetics that we have today, uh, I think that 
Bob, the type of Rasta that Bob was, understanding culturally the influence that he had. He knew that the music brought people together. He knew yeah. that the music would change the world and he was putting the music out there to do that. Um, and I think that there was a, there would be a line that he would cross just like in the same way he refused to get his foot cut off because Rastas don't believe in cutting their flesh and that's why the cancer killed him and he succumbed to it. I think yeah. there would have been lines that he would not have crossed um, in order to uh, you know, amplify his music or amplify the culture. And, and, you know, we don't know what he would have done 60 years down the road uh, if he was approached by all of this capitalism to bring the message forward. I think he would have he would have been stayed true in the message and mm -hmm. not so much just the rah-rah of it. But why are we doing this and why is it so important to keep the culture? And I think he would have been more um, more adamant about that maybe than just, you know, just the colors and the flags and, and the locks itself. Um, I think it's I think it's important that we remember the sacrifices that had to be made by not just Bob Marley because he was the he was a figurehead, but right. all of the Rastafarian tribes throughout the Caribbean that have sacrificed so much to that we now have this culture that we now have these genetics. Wow, that was amazing! That was um, what a great history, Nicole. You know what? You know what I wonder, Nicole, is I wonder if the weed is going to be just as overpriced as all of the little trinkets and everything else that they sell at this oh, place. Touristy, probably for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you think, Nicole? Is it going to be overpriced weed there? That's like they have I overpriced mean, everything I mean, else. What is what is overpriced yeah, when it exactly. comes to cannabis in Jamaica? Like Legacy. it's not like it's not like they're selling you know ounces for you know, two hundred dollars. Um, I think that how do you know they're not how they, they're probably selling it in euros or pounds? I, I think I think that it is <laughs> no, what, I think what is the price in dollars is what I'm trying to say. Can you actually put a price on the legacy of such? No, a great you can't. Figure? No way. And that's, like, and that's the problem. You cannot. Well, I mean, no, well, well now, now you guys are, re are retracting from your original argument. Now, now you guys are falling. No, 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 you guys are falling into the whole capitalism and, and the Babylonianism. I said I'm torn. I said I'm torn on it. I told you. I'm, I'm okay. Not, all right. Okay. You see, I got this. Yeah, man. We all know you're. We all know you're a professional backpedaler, Rico. It's all good. It's all I'm good. An anarcho-capitalist, bro. Like I'm all <laughs> money, but I'm. I'm I, like, I have a question. System. I I get that y'all see this as selling out. I get that, but wouldn't this also be providing for the community and everything that he stood for? If they're well, if the, well, it's just like it's just. Hold on, Gretchen. It's just like the story yesterday with the social equity grants. Like, if the money was actually going to people that it was meant to help, then yes, it would. But this money, you don't really know where it goes. It goes into Rita's pocketbook. Well, well, well. Rita had to suffer enough. Rita yeah. was his wife, but mm -hmm. obviously Bob Marley um, had many, many children, and and um, and so Rita. This is like. You have to understand Caribbean culture. She was the one that stood 10 toes down. She didn't leave. She did 100%. So, so when he was gone, she, that's all she had. Mm -hmm. And so whatever, whatever she gets, whatever profit she gets from his legacy, it, it, it's, it's something that the family has earned and, you know, it, and it's something that it's going to allow the, his legacy to continue. Yeah. Is a, yeah, I got part, that part is true, I got Nicole. Banner. Yeah, one, I got yeah, one thing, um, banner right here. Yeah, one one thing I um I, I forgot to mention um there. So because he was a, a, a much like my uh, my, my wife's um, father, uh, because he was a Rasta and everything, he didn't believe in wills. 
Um, so she got 10% of his estate and then the rest was split evenly uh, between uh, Jamaica and um, the rest of his family. So they didn't have much when he passed. So that might be influencing their heavy pivot into capitalism as well. So very complicated uh, story, complicated legacy out there in Jamaica, but you know, is what it is. Mm -hmm. Man, the guy's got a great legacy either way. So selling cannabis is, you know, I guess it's inevitable. You can't ever, you can't ever like, uh, you look what they did to Pat Tillman. I mean, on his death, you know, it's just like, these are, these are martyrs for the causes, you know, it's like, Bob Marley, you know. I mean, hold on. We, we, we got to keep it moving. We got to keep it moving. Rico, come <laughs> on, come on, Rico, get, get this together over here. <laughs> Spicy Reddit, red conservative with questionable ties to oligarch funded sources and still hasn't collected that $200 owed for consecutive bets won by Jason Bass. Up next is the founder of Panoptic Strategies and our very own Washington Insider, Gretchen Gill. Thank you. Thank you. The money would have made a wonderful Valentine's Day gift, Jason. And I can send you my PayPal, my Venmo, anything. What do you mean? You have so so you're telling me you haven't got your uh your 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 money in the mail yet? No, Jason. (laughs) You saying you some Chuck E. Cheese tokens? Has, has, Has your mail has your mail arrived yet today? It's because of that good old uh Trump uh changes to the postal system, takes three weeks to get anything. I mean, I mean, anyway. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. Headline so, is coming from. Has your mail came yet today? That's what I, I want to know. I have not seen the mail today yet, Jason. Exactly. However, so I still may pop in your mailbox. God, I don't like you. <laughs> Hey-oh. Hey-oh. Dude, who who let you out in public? I just don't understand. <laughs> All right. Headline is Senate panel set to vote on veterans marijuana research bill this week. A U.S. cannabis, uh, I'm sorry, U.S. Senate committee is scheduled to vote on a bill to promote cannabis research for military veterans this week. Uh, The VA Medicinal Cannabis Research Act, which is intended to mandate studies by the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs to explore the therapeutic potential of cannabis for veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder and chronic pain, is on the agenda for a Senate Veterans Affairs Committee business meeting on Thursday. The bill is being sponsored by panel chairman John Tester, along with Senator Dan Sullivan. If the legislation is approved, it will be the first time a U.S. Senate committee has marked up a standalone marijuana reform bill. A congressional source close to the negotiations told Marijuana Moment that a House companion version will also be introduced this week. Key revisions from prior versions of the legislation appear to give the department significant leeway to determine for itself whether it's capable of conducting clinical trials and, if so, how to carry them out. The significant change appears to be responsive to concerns expressed by the VA who testified against the earlier proposals. Uh, The text of both the Senate and House versions of the bills is expected to be identical to maximize the possibility of passage through both chambers, according to a source for Marijuana Moment. There was suspicion that the Senate's version introduction was imminent after the bill was listed on the agenda for a Veteran Affairs Committee business meeting that was scheduled earlier this month and then proposed. John Tester said, medicinal cannabis is already in use by thousands of veterans across the country, but we don't have the data yet that we need to understand the potential benefits and side effects associated with this alternative therapy. I'm glad to reintroduce this legislation with Chairman Tester directing to VA to investigate how cannabis use uh, can affect veterans with post-traumatic stress and chronic pain. Uh, And I'm sorry, that quote came from uh, Senator Sullivan. The earlier legislation cleared a House committee in 2021 despite the protests of VA officials, 
earlier versions of the ha measure moved through the committee in 2020 and 2018 as well, but none were ever enacted into law. The earlier version specifically called for clinical trials into the therapeutic potential of cannabis for post-traumatic stress disorder and chronic pain. The legislation has been revised this Congress to include a requirement for a retroactive observation study to look into the experiences of veterans who've used marijuana for such treatment in the past outside of the clinical trial context. But there's another change that could compromise a key component of the bill. Within 90 days of completion of an observational study on the effects of cannabis on PTSD and chronic pain, the VA would be required to submit a report to Congress on whether it's capable of carrying out the more robust clinical trials that were at the center of earlier forms of the legislation. The secretary may terminate the clinical trials if the secretary determines that the Department of Veteran Affairs is unable to meet clinical guideline requirements necessary to conduct such trials or the clinical trials would create excessive risk to the participant. And that is according to the bill text. The reason this is important is because the VA has repeatedly come out against past versions of the reform proposal, with the department suggesting that the research mandate goes too far with too many requirements. And under the new language, the VA could finish the qualitative observational study and then independently decide against carrying out the clinical trial portion involving human subjects. Other revisions in the new version include removing language that requires studies to involve at least seven cannabis varieties and instead leave that open-ended. That may help further address some of the VA's prior concerns about the measure being unduly prescriptive. Uh, I am hopeful that this will go through um, and that we will start to see some research coming through on the VA side. And I know the argument that there is the research on PTSD and pain and they just need to move forward, but that's not how Congress works. They need to start actually seeing uh, research and clinical trials coming out of the VA to do something. Uh, so I hope that the VA is able to take this up. I hope that it works. Um, we shall see. And this is totally Republican-sponsored legislation for all you haters against the right. They are doing something. This Scratch of Pride 9 News. <laughs> I'm Donald Trump. Can I approve this message? <laughs> every, time, every time I hear research bill, it's almost like they're just kicking the can down the, right. the field. It, so it's, it's kind of frustrating knowing with all of the research that's out there. Um, you know, why we just continue to have these research bills that take years because that's we know how long research takes, and we've been doing the research the last 50, 80, 100 years now. Um, coming and, and it's just, I don't know, it's just disheartening because it's almost like, here, we're giving you a little something, it's like, you know, let's sprinkle some food over here, um, for you to feast on. Uh, but and this is so. You know, this is, this is why this is why I say like the veterans and 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 their fight with the government is so close to people of color, in the, in this way, um, they're given a bunch of lip service and say like oh yeah we're gonna do this research gonna do this do that and at the end, um, that dollar you ask for you you're lucky if you get ten cents on it. So you know it's it, it's interesting. So we we covered this story on either Thursday or Friday. Um, a little bit, not not that it was going going for a vote. So this is an updated story, and and I shared that uh, this is my work wife in D.C.'s bill, Amy Rising, and uh, I, I I had invited her on on Thursday or Friday, and she said that she didn't have time to come on; she had too many meetings or whatnot. But she did watch the show, and afterwards she was like, "You know what? You should have said." And I said, "What?" I said, "What? What? What do you want me to say?" She's so she wanted me to make sure that I pass this message along next time we talk about this bill, and she says that this is the first step 
in the ability for veterans to be able to get insurance money to cover their medical cannabis. Yeah, and I would I would agree with that. Nicole, I get exactly where you're coming from. But this this country needs their own research to approve anything. So that's sad, but that's the case. I mean, because clearly we do everything better in America. So our research will be better. Yeah, America. Oh, our, our, our medical system yeah. is better than everybody else. This is why Cuba okay. has better medicine than we do, right? Okay. Are okay. you are you gonna fly down to Cuba for your next medical procedure, Rico? Is that your plan? Joe Biden, Joe Biden for the, won't let me for the fly great down health care. I would love to go see my Afro-Latino people, but uh, Joe Biden okay. won't let me fly there no more, right? You do that whenever you need it. Right? Something done. Get some, get you get on that plane. Mexico, Cubano. Let's go. go Cuba. <laughs> America. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Can I say something? Please yes, go please. ahead, Zaza. I was just wondering, out of all of the veterans who are currently cannabis patients, by no help from the VA, why are they not using those patients that they know of as part of the study facts well, right. well how this bill will work Shaja, is they have to start with the observational side first so they could uh, look at the past work that they've done from what i'm understanding for the first step i'm talking about as far as veterans like myself who have who have been using cannabis for many years and va has always been aware of it why are they not using me or other veterans who who they know are using cannabis for medicine. Why why yeah. do they have to start from somewhere else and not go with what they already have? Because there are thousands of us, thousands and I'm, that they can use and I'm, the, our data. And I'm mm -hmm. saying they can use that data for the first part for the observational okay. study that they have to get approved first, and then go into the clinical trial. And I'm sure they will rely on the folks that have been using it. Uh, if if they can be proactive and good enough doing this. I, I mean, see. I would say, I would say just, you. you know, go to your primary care physician, if you have one, Zsa, or, you know, somebody at the VA and potentially talk about this. But I mean, you know, there's so there's just like, there, it's a lot of nonsense and red tape, right? With like the, the benefits that a, that a veteran receives, especially when we're talking about like, you know, cannabis, which is still a federally controlled substance. So like, well, now they're know, labeling I, I, them as cannabis abuse disorder. When these veterans are coming to the VA and admitting that they use cannabis instead of taking their prescription drugs, um, they're, okay. they're giving them a new label. Okay. Okay. So potentially just, you know, maybe rely on your doctor that you've been talking to or been uh, referring to for, they don't have other doctors, Simone. They have, yeah. they don't have insurance. They only have the VA, bro. That's not how the, the VA, system Jason. works, bro. Jason, hold on. I'm saying the doctor at the VA, Jason, they have a doctor at the VA. Do they see yes. multiple doctors? Yes. Maybe. But the but doctor, they, at the, the doctor, the doctor at the VA is not always the most cannabis friendly, uh, friendly, that's friendly said, type of doctor why, because they are paid to tread lightly. I that's why that's why they're because they're paid to believe that cannabis is a drug. I, Just like I, federal I, judges are paid to believe that cannabis drops out of the sky in crates and that's how it appears. There's still some good doctors out there, you know, so let's let, I would just say refer to the person you've been talking to. Let's just put it that way. Maybe you can join. Maybe your data could join that uh, that that study. Uh, we got to keep it moving. We got to break for a commercial. Thank you. Shout so out to the veterans, man. We love y'all. Love you. <laughs> yes. Cheers. Cheers. Support of that. Easy. I love. Show them some love on air on Valentine's Day. Yes. Adam.
run it. Exactly. Oh, so you know what? Hold on. I apologize, you guys. It is my that is totally my bad. Just Flying into LAX and you want to taste some of the best weed in the world, then stop by LAXCC, the closest dispensary to LAX, located at 8332 Lincoln Boulevard and open from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week. Always make LAXCC your first stop when you touch down in LA and score like a winner. And don't forget to tell them I sent you and mention like to get high at nine for 10% off your full order. The thoughts and opinions and general overall shade thrown at the high and nine news are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker or its followers. The statements may do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and our speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, or territory, or any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationship, and our sponsors do not imply or constitute any endorsement by us or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of any speaker on stage. If you're an easily appended, offended person, this show is probably not for you. And if you really want to get pissed off, you should maybe go talk to a doctor at the VA. Oh, yeah. Up next, she's a patient plant medicine advocate, founder of Purple Plant Magic. And on Wednesday mornings, you can catch her on Power 88 Las Vegas as the Encyclopedia. Lifelong outspoken supporter of, of Purple Lives Matter. And, and while we're in Arizona, she is also a Rico whisperer. Come to the stage next. You know who it is. <laughs> Nicole Buffon. <laughs> Thank you, Rico, for that lovely introduction. Say hi, Luna. So today, my story is um, coming from hyperallergic, allergic, hyperallergic, uh, com, and it's called Shalom and Pass the Joint. A new ex ex exhibition reveals how Jewish people throughout history have embraced marijuana both spiritually and politically. Are we finally ready to admit that the war on drugs is a massive scam? <laughs> from reefer madness to racial stereotypes, the United States government has long perpetuated vague counter narratives around marijuana used to curb immigration, discipline workers, and expand the prison industrial complex. With recreational weed now legal in New York City, one Manhattan ex exhibition is reframing cannabis as an integral component of Jewish cultural heritage. Am Yisrael Hai, <laughs> the story of Jews and cannabis, on view at the YIVO Institute for Jewish Research, reveals how Jewish people throughout history have embraced marijuana both spiritually and politically. Images and manuscripts from ancient and modern eras appear alongside paraphernalia and printed ephemia from the 20th century legalization movement. Sorry about that house line. Curator Eddie Portnoe has worked since 2020 to bring a diverse array of posters, books, and menorah-shaped pipes in the YIVO's permanent collection to show how Jewish artists and intellectuals often took the lead in destigmatizing the devil's lettuce. Another wall display includes excerpts from the Talmud, quotes from the book of Exodus, and other ancient manuscripts referencing cannabis as a medical remedy. Punctuated by a print of Eugene Delacroix's Jewish wedding in Morocco, Portno cites the 2020 discovery of charred cannabis 
mixed with frankincense in an ancient Israeli synagogue. This is proof that Jesus and his followers used cannabis inside the temples on the altar. While the passing of new legislation across the country, we're seeing that the people who gave their lives to the movement, who fought for legalization and faced jail time, are largely being forgotten. Five founders of the 1960s Countercultural Youth International Party, or Yippies, were Jewish, as were the founders of stoner-friendly companies like Raw, Easy Wider, and Philly Cigars, the latter of which are commonly used to roll blunts. They had to put that in the article. A series of glass displays draw these elements together, juxtaposing magazines and books with bongs and rolling papers. From the medieval to the modern era, research identifies Jewish communities in Africa, West Asia, and Europe using hashish and hemp in textiles, oils, and incense. Several screen-printed wall displays lay out this history with excerpts from prominent artworks. One particular reference describes a medieval smoker's sluggishness and insatiable hunger, indicating an early case of the munchies. Below this, Portno places a delightful photo of Jewish women smoking joints circa the 1920s, underscoring the anecdote with playful irreverence. Since opening last spring, Am Yisrael High um, has attached significant media attention, has attracted significant media attention. Its opening reception had a line out the door and New York-based garbology artist, I had to look that up, A.J. Weberman, who allegedly founded the first weed delivery service, distributed joints to visitors waiting outside. How nice of him. Portno's efforts clearly hit on a need to redefine our understanding of weed and of weed culture. For that reason, his infographics gesture to prominent New Yorkers like Ginsburg and Dylan, but also lesser known artists like jazz clarinist Mez Mezro, who became Louis Armstrong's main dealer. This article is fascinating. I learned a couple of new things. I already knew about the resin being found in temples in Israel. Um, it is our main point of um, discussion when we're talking to churches and we're talking to faith-based leaders about legalizing cannabis, especially for medical use. We remind them that Jesus used cannabis. Uh, so this is Nicole Bufong reporting for Hyatt Time Hyatt at Nine News. I'd love to hear what you think about this story. Without, Nicole, without, I love this story. Go ahead, Rico. I was gonna say without diving deep into conspiracies and shit like that. And I'm kind of glad my brother uh, Saint Germain ain't on with us today because I would 100% go down with it with him. <laughs> it would, <laughs> you know, where I'm going with this too, Nicole. <laughs> but um, it would be very, very interesting to see, you know, like where these uh, quote unquote ancient relics came from. Uh, the, the 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 true source uh, of those. We know that um, cannabis has been used uh, for much longer throughout history than um, anybody wants to give it credit for but exactly who the jews were that were using it um, what the purpose is with it and everything it's a lot of stuff we have to put together uh there so very interesting thank you for covering this one i love this kind of stuff i yeah, noticed I to go to this um this exhibit i i know oh the exhibit is amazing all right yeah. first of all the exhibit is awesome and i encourage anyone to go and check it out but i do have to ask you nicole because he mentioned louis armstrong's dealer yeah, he and, was a, and you and you were on when I did the Roger Stone story talking about how when President Nixon smuggled pounds of marijuana through customs unknowingly for <laughs> who other than Louis Armstrong. That's so right. Says, so he says, yep. So he says. 
<laughs> well, I, think, I think I just think that this is, you know, um, a lot of the opposition all over the world. I, you know, I'm advocating in countries throughout Africa and the Caribbean. And our biggest opposition is always the church. And so it's always fascinating to me when we go back into history and we prove that some of these religious leaders were using cannabis, um, not just religious leaders, but icons like Jesus. Um, we're using cannabis medicinally or in spiritual um, practices. And it's so important that we don't let that get um, brushed aside or forgotten, um, especially when our biggest opposition is coming at us, telling us that cannabis is evil. We, got, we have to be mindful that this information is out there and it is facts. Yeah, and it was, it, was the, it, was the, um, it was it was the drug of the people. It was the elixir. It was the solution of the people. And if it wasn't for capitalism, it never would have gotten taken away from the people. Go 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 ahead, Simone. I was I was gonna. That's why I always say, "How do you think Jesus walked on water?" But uh, it was just a cheap. <laughs> uh, we can talk about. I that thought sometime. I thought, I thought that was the mushrooms, but we we yeah we have Michelle from from Boston. Uh, M Michelle, what do you have to say on this? So I'm Israeli, I'm Jewish, and yes, there is definitely a very long history with Jews and cannabis, and it was found in the Solomon Temple remains as well. It was used in the temple, it was used as, uh, for Havdalah, we, we use scents, we smell scents to, at the end of uh, the Shabbat. It was used as an anointing oil for both Jesus and all of the kings, uh, Solomon and David, all of that was used. So, and we were we were viciously attacked by both both of us, both the groups during the seventies. They wanted to separate us because we were all getting along, and the government was scared of that. They didn't want the hippies getting together with the Black Panthers or whatever fear that they they yep. had and take over the drugs. And this is what happened. They turned us against each other because that was the only way that they could accomplish what they did with cannabis. So keep that in mind. Thank you so much, Michelle, for that. We appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I mean, I Israel is the farthest uh, along in any cannabis research of any country on the planet. And not to mention that there were also the Kushites. Yeah, what y'all know about Let's that? not get into history today, but um, let's keep moving. Mm -hmm, to the next story. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got it, bro. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go. Let's move to Simone. Yep, here. Oh, yeah. Sorry, we got the last ad. Go ahead and run it at him. Oh, yeah, bringing us home today. He is a patient advocate, 14-year industry vet who's worked in regulated markets across the U.S., and he's a true believer in medical properties of cannabis, developed various wellness products currently sold in the market that prove his promise. But uh, my biggest thing for him, he's a fellow dad and celebrating Valentine's Day today as well, man. And get him to the stage next. Y'all know who it is. Saman. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction. Yes, it's Valentine's Day. You know, my wife and kids went out and got the donuts this morning because I was doing the news. They're sweethearts. And, uh, you know, I'm going to share this with, with all y'all out there. Um, but uh, another, uh, you know, hot and heavy uh, story today from High Times. Um, 
reported by Nicole Potter. This one's pretty interesting, but you know we'll see what the implications actually mean here. Uh, DEA states that Delta 9 THCO, Delta 9 THC, and uh, I'm sorry, Delta 9 THCO and Delta 8 THCO are not hemp. A recent letter reveals that the DEA doesn't view Delta 9 THCO, which is Delta 9 THC uh, acetate, essentially, which is just an acetate ester, uh, and Delta 8 THCO as hemp instead are considered to be controlled substances. So we'll unpack this. And an email response sent to Rod Knight of Knight Law Office PC on February 13th, the Drug Enforcement Administration stated that because Delta 9 THCO and Delta 8 THCO are synthetic and not found naturally in cannabis, they do not count as hemp and are therefore controlled substances. Knight's letter was originally sent in August of 2022, and a follow-up email sent last week on February 7th with a request for the status of THC acetate ester THCO under a Controlled Substances Act. Terrence L. Boos, Chief Drug and Chemical Evaluation Section uh, Diversion Control Division, penned the response and clarified the agency's stance on Delta products. The only substances of which Delta the drug enforcement agency is aware uh, of our THC acetate ester and Delta 9 THCO uh, acetate ester and Delta 8 THC acetate ester. Sorry, it's a mouthful this morning. Uh, Boo said, the Drug Enforcement Administration reviewed the CSA and its implementing regulation with regards to the controlled status of these substances. Boos explained that the CSA classifies tetrahydrocannabinols or THC as naturally contained uh, contained in the plant of the genus cannabis, quote, uh, in parentheses, cannabis plant, as well as synthetic equivalents of the substances contained in the cannabis plant and or synthetic substances, derivatives, and their isomers with similar chemical structure and pharmacological activity to those substances contained in the plant. Because of this definition, neither Delta 9 THCO or Delta 8 THCO are considered to be hemp by the DEA. Delta 9 THCO and Delta 8 THCO do not occur naturally in the cannabis plant and can only be obtained synthetically and therefore do not fall under the definition of hemp, wrote Boos. He added that the Delta 9 THCO and Delta 8 THCO have similar chemical structures and the pharmacological activities in those contained in the cannabis plant and thus meet the definition of tetrahydrocannabinols which the agency classifies as Schedule 1. He also, in a written statement from... I'm sorry. He, <clears throat> in a written statement from Michelle Bodian, a partner of Vincente Cedarberg, Bodian explained what this news could mean for the industry. While the latest statement from the DEA does not clarify the legal status of all novel hemp derivative products, it does clarify the DEA believes that Delta 9 THCO and Delta 8 THCO are controlled substances, said Ms. Michelle Bodie on partner Vincente Seedberg. Hopefully there's a congressional action soon to address the legality of all hemp-derived cannabinoids, so this industry is not left with a patchwork of law, regulation, and policy, and now letter statements. While the government has been silent on a definitive course of action in regard to regulating Delta products, state legislators have been left to take action on their own. Delta A products were banned in New York in May of 2021. Ohio created new rules to govern Delta A products in June of 2021, including production and sales. A new law introduced in Michigan in July of 2021 also created a regulation that limited the sale of Delta A products to only cannabis businesses that were licensed by the Michigan Marijuana Authority Agency, or I'm sorry, Michigan Regulatory Agency. 
Later in November of 2021, a Texas judge issued a temporary injunction that removed Delta-8 from the state's list of Schedule One substances. In May of 2022, governmental agencies such as the Food and Drug Administration sent out warning letters to businesses selling Delta-8 products. In quote, the FDA is very concerned about the growing popularity of Delta-8 product, uh, Delta-8 THC products being sold online and in stores nationwide, said FDA Principal Deputy Commissioner Janet Woodcock. These products often include claims that they treat or alleviate the side effects related to a wide, uh, <clears throat> a wide variety of ailments. In most recent string of Delta-8 related news, Connecticut Attorney General William Tong recently announced that his office was suing five retailers selling cannabis without a license, specifically in relation to Delta-8 THC products. Cannabis products in Connecticut cannot be sold or unlicensed sold by unlicensed retailers and must be rigorously tested and packed with packaging requirements, period, said Tong in a statement. Any unlicensed Connecticut retailer selling Delta-8 products uh, that support to, that purport to contain high levels of THC is breaking the law and may be subject to criminal and civil penalties. That's the story from Nicole Potter, and that's Saman Rezaian reporting for High Night. Oh man, Saman! Sounds like yeah. these uh, Delta Eight boys is about to be up. Uh, well, so water. it's 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 interesting because here's the deal, right? The whole the whole entire you know law that they passed was saying that anything that's like extracted from the plant is okay, and synthetically derived is not. But we know that there's synthetic enhancements of these you know minor cannabinoids, and if Delta Eight is you know um, you know you know, at a very small, minute level quantified in cannabis and some cannabis varieties, um, it can only be extracted to a certain level, but there's 98%, 99% um, in some cases, not typically Delta eight, you know, floating out there in vape pens. So those are synthetically enhanced. And, and so I don't know how they're going to really contain that, but what they're saying definitively is if it's a T, if it's an acetate ester of, of Delta nine or Delta eight, you cannot be selling that in a product. And so we'll see, something going down soon i guess but it's just been a it's been a shit show with the uh with the fda and the dea on all this stuff so hemp bill didn't really you know do anything but create a lot of confusion and so we're just out in purgatory like normal but you know it's business as usual for the cannabis so 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 someone someone you're saying you're saying if there's ester involved don't tester your luck i would say i appreciate I appreciate the DEA finally coming out and giving an opinion on this. However, uh, genie's out of the bottle. Good luck at containing this. Yeah. Who's actually going to go out there and enforce this? I mean, that, well, it's ridiculous I mean, in, at this point. Several people in, in, in all reality, the Delta 8 and Delta 9 THCO is a small part. It's not D8 and uh, Delta 9. It, it, it's different than the, the, the other Delta 8 shit. Is that, is that correct? Uh, let me say that again. I'm sorry. Well, let me, let me hold on. Let me. Go, go ahead, Rico. Johnny Smash made the comment that Delta 8 and 9 THCO is a small part of the market. It's not all Delta 8 and Delta correct, 9. Correct. That's, no, it's Delta 8. It's THCO. It's a look, it's like the same. It's a, it's again, it's this is an isomer. This is just the same chemical structure with a little variance, right? That's creating this. And what's creating mm -hmm. this variance is an ester in this situation. Um, so it's a small part of the market. He's Johnny Smash is absolutely correct. It's not like the typical stuff because what's typically found is this Delta A, a THC without the ester in right. you know high purity and high quantity because that's the main 
you know, I guess the, the main product of that um, conversion process is Delta eight. There's another piece of that process that's creating this estification and that's what's, you know, creating this, you know, this product. And so of course, you know, these extractors are resourceful when they create these products, they're going to just market it as something new. Um, and, uh, that's the game. And THCO so, is, is more potent than just the normal. So we're not going to see a crackdown uh, on Delta 8. Hold on a second. Hold on. Well, hold on a second. Because you, you just made, because they're only talking about this one individual compound, and they also included uh, Delta 8 THCO. So That's what I'm saying. That it's, the same, it's the same as Delta well, 8 THC, well, but it, the I, no, no, I, I, the ester. I, I, I got I got I got I got I got all of that part, Simon. But what I'm saying is that doesn't this set up set the DEA up, Gretchen, to be able to come out opinions saying that they feel the exact same way in regards to Delta Delta Eight as well? What? It's, it's is it like good. like like this you is could, like a first step? Like, you know, we're going to come out with this opinion on this individual mm -hmm. yeah. substance, okay? Because they right. didn't they didn't they didn't mention any other substance. So I just feel like this is the start of the path of them going on that road to You're ultimately uh, uh, crack down on Delta Eight, but they wanted to deal with this first. So well, okay. they're setting the stage with the convert with the con the the synthetic kind of comment about like synthetically derived exactly because because right? so I know I know I know for a fact the DEA does not agree um and and thinks that all synthetic uh, cannabinoids are are not covered under the farm bill I've read some uh, some DEA opinions on is. that and, again and, and, I hear you I believe you every word coming out of your mouth not disagreeing but I think the real question is and Ben has been referring to this as well. Who's going to enforce this? Right. Who's going to go out and test these products? Who's really going to crack down? I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think. I don't think they're going to do it. They're just going to deem. They're going to deem them illegal, and the DEA is going to go in there and just start raiding and confiscating shit. And and ultimately, their job when raiding and confiscating thing is is to is to is to confiscate as much money and find as much money as possible. Stop! Stop! Have you heard of a little thing called Rohrbach or Far? I don't see how they have the money to go do this. This so, isn't. I don't see how they would be under that. I don't see how that would be under that. Why? Because it applies it, to no, 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 no. I this, get the farm bill. This is all. This, the only way that this is I'm going on is under the farm bill. Warbucker far. No, no, wrong. Totally, totally not. I think. I think. I think you get the right attorney. They can make some arguments here. I'm just. And Jason Beck, that's your kind of attorney. And it is my kind of all attorney. Money on this one, you're gonna see they're just all trying to uh, trying to throw stones at cookies and stop them from their their, their Delta Eight superstore in Manhattan. <laughs> Delta Eight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, New York's doing that a uh, good good job of that all on their own. You know, they they don't even. I don't even think they need the federal government's help with that. <laughs> Let's take us out. Oh, oh man, thank you so much for that story, Simon. That was fascinating. I'm glad you delivered it, bro, because you have a lot of scientific knowledge, man, and we yeah. really appreciate that over here. I appreciate all of our all of our comments from our great audience here. This is great. Mark's here, you know, and we got Johnny, and we're all, you know, it's it's it, this is all just. But I agree with Jason. You know, this is the start of the conversation where they're like determining, right? Because again, the start of the crackdown. It's, a, it's the start of the conversation. We'll see. But Gretchen has a great point. It, the genie's out of the bottle, like she said. So we'll see I agree what happens. That, I agree that, there, that, there's, that there's too much sand to shovel it all back into the ocean, but that's not the point. The point is, is asset forfeiture because that's the name of the game. All right, they're going to go in there and they're going to take the money because that money 100% goes into their coffers. That's the name of the game. It's not about the enforcement. Good it's luck. about stealing money. 
All right. Tax stuff. Tax stuff. Yes, yes just, just, just tell them the truth. Just is what it is. Okay. All I've right, been through Adam? it enough. Just All right. Hold on a second. Oh, Gretchen. You're so fun sometimes. Thank you all for getting high at nine with us every Monday and Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big thank yous to our audience and supporters for always tuning in daily and listening to the insanity that is the developing cannabis industry. Thank you to our haters for always talking about us and thinking about us because we have the most immaculate pieces of property inside of your head rent free. Huge thank you to our sponsors, True Classic, Aspire, Wizard Trees, DNA Genetics, LAXCC for keeping everything rolling. Thank you to all of our correspondents for being absolutely amazing and so knowledgeable thank you for cannabis for giving us a reason to do all this because we all love you so much and thank you to cloud media partners house of fuego green street and zaza simone brown holding it down in clubhouse and helping us create this amazing space in the cannabis universe and thank you all for tuning in and getting high at nine with us it's america's number one daily cannabis news show run it adam